Welcome to the Explode Your Roofing Business Podcast. Your ultimate guide to growing your roofing business. Are you ready to take your roofing business to the next level? Whether you're just starting out or you're looking to scale your existing business, this podcast is for you. We'll be sharing expert advice on everything from marketing and sales to business management and growth strategies. We'll bring you the latest insights and best practices for building a thriving roofing business. So sit back, relax, and get ready to explode your roofing business. This is Explode Your Roofing Business Podcast. All right, welcome to the Explode Your Roofing Business Podcast. This is our very first episode. And in this podcast, we're going to cover several topics of your business that you are currently running and try to help you in any way we can possible. And today, our topic is the power of a professional brand. And I have with me today is Brett. He's one of the marketing strategists with uh, me over at Blackstorm Design and Marketing. Brett, how are you doing today? Doing wonderful. Excited to hit the first podcast episode with you. All right. I think one of the very foundational parts or elements of a roofer and his business is having a professional brand. And once you have that figured out, a lot of other things just seem to fall into place. Don't you agree, Brett? Absolutely. I think a lot of roofers skip that and they kind of put it towards the end. When in fact, before they ever even, you know, perform their first roofing service, they should have considered their brand as their first priority. Right. And when, when we talk about brand, um, I feel like a lot of people think of maybe just a logo and maybe their name. And that's pretty much the the length and the extent that they think a brand is. That's nowhere near all of it. So, Brad, why don't you give us some ideas of like what all you would like to see someone have if if they were to speak to you about marketing advice what all they they should have as part of their brand. I think the first thing people need to start considering before they consider a name or colors or logo or brand or anything that plays a role into their image, they first need to be understanding what services are they wanting to offer, what type of customer are they wanting to serve, and what is going to be the main personality or theme of their of their company, of their brand. And I think once they understand that first, that's when they're able to piece the other you know, elements in place. Because a lot of times when I sit down with a marketing uh, strategy session with someone and I start asking them questions about like, okay, who's your ideal customer? They're trying to ask me what that even means. Or they'll, I'll ask them, hey, what's your unique selling proposition, your USP? And a lot of people haven't even spent the time to sit there and think why a customer would choose them over the other competitors that exist in their market. Right. So knowing your ideal customer really is the starting point, or at least at least what you're wanting to offer, and then who is the best fit for your offering, right? So like, exactly. you know, Walmart serves a whole different group of people than let's say Aston Martin, or I don't know, I'm trying to think of another like high-end store. Like Nordstrom is a good example that they compare to Walmart quite a bit. So they have completely different uh, customer base 
where ideal customer, you know, Walmart's trying to be the cheap everybody store where Nordstrom is trying to get the upper end of society, right? So everything they do, every decision they make is going to be tailored to those types of customers, correct? Exactly. I mean, with the everyday low price, that only appeals to the person who cares about price. The person right. who's price sensitive, the person who is on a tight budget, typically a low income. No disrespect to those people, but for a company like Nordstrom, they're looking for the affluent, the people that are high income, that are looking for premium products. And, you know, there's many statistics and projections out there that both Walmart and Nordstrom have the same bottom line at the end of the year. But of course, Walmart serves a greater customer base and a different type of customer. So it really depends on who your target customer is in your mind. Now, I think most roofers would agree that everyone wants the million dollar houses and beyond, you know, but there, there's definitely a market that exists for repairs and replacements. And we know a lot of roofers that make that a specialty. Right. So whether you're trying to tailor your services to the low income people or the high income earners, you need to know that on the front end and tailor everything about your brand accordingly, right? The name of your business, the colors, your logo, literally your services and your pricing, just about everything. So you really need to know who you're trying to target first, and then you start filling in the gaps from there. Yeah, right? I would definitely agree because once you understand your ideal customer is for, let's say, the middle to upper class, then you know how to structure your offering. You know how to structure you know, the benefits of hiring you versus the competition that's going to appeal. So being, you know, the, let's say, as an example, presidential club of GAF, that's going to matter to the person who's looking to hire the best roofer. But if that's going to be so they don't have to deal with any problems, they'd rather pay whatever it costs up front just to not deal with any headaches later on. Right. Exactly. While the, you know, middle to lower class type of customer, they're not, they really, the they're not impressed with your certifications or your badges and awards. What they care about is who has the cheapest quote. And, and that's pretty much it. They don't care about warranties. They don't care about, you know, the style and look. They just care about what's the cheapest. Right, right. So I guess I, I guess that's, a, that's another thing. You mentioned benefits or reasons why to choose you. So we, many times we call that a USP, you know, a unique selling proposition. You know, what are some reasons why your ideal customer should choose you over your competition? And you need to tailor that USP to your ideal customer. So, and that, uh, and that starts, you know, when you consider the name of your company, a lot of people think that that doesn't play a role, but it actually does. Colors. I mean, there's a lot of colors that are attributed to luxury brands versus colors that are more uh, for the mass market, you know, more widely accepted by all walks of life. Right. So, Understanding that and understanding what offering, you know, there's some roofers that, you know, swear to never do a replacement. Um, some are on the opposite end where they swear to never do a repair. So right. understanding who you're serving, your service offering has to meet the needs of that type of customer. Because if you don't offer repairs and you're trying to go after, let's say, an average uh, homeowner or lower middle class type homeowner who may want the repair, 
well, now you're not going to be hired because you don't even offer the service that they're primarily interested in. And if you're after the upper class people, then being able to be a full service where you can offer, let's say, maintenance and having some type of maintenance uh, program in place as well, uh, right. where you come on an annual basis to do inspections and you know other little forms of maintenance, that's going to matter to the person who is, let's say, upper class because they want that peace of mind to know that their their investment is being protected. Right. So you're still talking about tailoring the services to your ideal customer. Now, also, once you have that figured out, you know, the unique, the US, the USP, the unique selling proposition, that's things like, uh, let's say nobody's going to beat our prices, right? That would obviously be tailored to someone who, who wants the the bargain shoppers, right? And not the higher income earners. So you definitely want to create USPs that fit your ideal customer. So obviously if you're trying to hit the high income, you obviously would not use something, a USP like that, you know? Yeah, in contrast, you would want to use something like lifetime warranty or 25 year warranty or we're the presidential club or we're you know master elite we're this we're that no headaches or hassle free or you know on and on things like that that they don't ever have to think about it again right you'll deal with that problem once and it'll never be a problem of theirs again that's that's what i feel like the affluent is looking for right they want to make one phone call and that be the end of their problem and they're willing to pay whatever it is to get rid of that problem out of their life. Exactly. And when you're working with, uh, let's say, the middle class or lower class, it's very important to make sure you have financing options available. The affluent will be interested, surprisingly, in financing as well if it's at an affordable interest rate. If it's not at an affordable interest rate, then they're not going to be interested. They'll just use their own money. But a lot of times it'll surprise you that we found that many affluent customers have used financing, even though they could write a check and pay cash for it, you know, oh, yeah. the first day. Other people's money. They always Absolutely. use other people's money as much as they OPM. can. Right. I agree. All right. Uh, I have a list of just some basic things that, you know, what is a brand? And, you know, I one of the big categories I have listed out is, uh, you know, just the basic info. So we talked about the name of your business. You need, you know, you need to know your ideal customer. I have, you know, what services you're offering, the USP we just mentioned. You need to also tailor your tagline or slogan to, again, your services or to your ideal customer. And Brett, we also have mentioned uh, residential or commercial. Do they need to know that on the upfront? I think, I it's, I think it's very important to make a distinction of who you're going to serve. I think if you're starting out and your experience is, let's say, rather inexperienced, you have just a few years under your belt, I would recommend starting out with just residential because with residential, it's an easier sell to make. It's easier to fund. You can get a lot more of them. You can get a lot of reviews generated by doing a lot of uh, residential jobs. And more specifically, repairs. When you do repairs, it's easy to sell a repair. You don't have to have some impressive resume and portfolio to be able to sell a repair. But what that essentially does for companies that are new and starting out is it helps you build up 
your portfolio in an incremental uh, process where you can get a lot of reviews, a lot of repairs, which are easy to sell. And then that builds up your portfolio portfolio to be able to start selling replacements. And once you kind of maximize your opportunity and dominate the residential uh, spectrum, that's when moving into commercial becomes a lot easier because you're not starting from scratch trying to compete with a lot of huge roofing companies on several hundred thousand dollar projects. Now you have that portfolio and that resume and that you know list of experience. And with- One another reason also, just like what you're saying, is like I, I know of a past client who, you know, only did residential and he started dabbling into commercial and kind of gotten into some jobs over his head. And he was still a little ex- inexperienced in commercial and you know kind of lost his shirt when uh, he, he did a job wrong and got sued over it. And, you know, by taking things slow, you're going to gain the experience. And even if you did get sued, you know, let's say a hundred thousand, if, if you're a much bigger company by that time, it, it ain't going to devastate you and your business. Right. And I'm so, sure some of you listening, you're, you're a full experienced tradesman. When it comes to roofing, you could do anything, repair, replace, commercial, residential. It doesn't matter what the roof type is or how big or small it is. You can handle it. And for, for those type of people, you know, definitely, you know, go after both simultaneously. But even at the end of the day, it just it's important to make the business decision from a profit analysis and to make sure and risk. Versus reward. Yeah, exactly. And just make sure you make that decision and that clear distinction up front, because that's going to play a role in how you brand your company. Right. Right. So and in knowing back to your services, knowing whether you offer repair or just replace or both or whatever. Yeah. But then uh, go ahead. Yeah. Let me ask you, uh, how would that play a role, Eric, in regards to their imagery, like what a lot of people refer to as like the logo or the branding or brand book. Talk to me about how they, some things they should consider there. So if we're talking about logo and brand colors and whatnot, so if, if we're talking about trying to reach the higher income type people, you would want a more prestigious type of logo. So you would want a more prestigious type of font, right? And there's a few colors that you would, you know, ideally use too. And, uh, in the color aspect, I would say simpler, the better. So we're talking about, you know, whites, blacks, grays, silvers, maybe some gold, but just keep it very simple. If we're going for, you know, the high end, if we're going medium to low end, uh, the rainbows, the colors of the rainbow is a good place to start. It's very bright. You think of Walmart, right? It's blue, yellow, real bright, things like that. You can be a little more uh, creative with your logos and whatnot, targeting that type of clientele. And when we talk about when you talk about fonts, how important is it to make sure you're choosing the right font in regards to like readability? Oh, big time, big time. So I would always choose a readable font. And so something you could do is maybe you know have your font written or your your business name written out in your font and print it off on maybe a business card or whatever, and then just stand like 10 feet away and see if you can read it. Ask other people to stand 10 feet away and see if they can read it. If you cannot read it, you know, just standing 10 feet away, chances are it's not a very readable font. So a lot of times if you if you move to a cursive type font, you want it to be a very readable font, right? 
a lot of times, you know, cursive can get very, very hard to read. Yeah. And, you know, I even experienced that as a consumer. Uh, yesterday, I was uh, driving behind a vehicle that said integrity cleaning and it had a phone number. And just the font and the stroke and just kind of how they had the phone number written. I was doing my absolute best to try to read the number and could not interpret if it was a number one, a number seven, and therefore I just struggled to be able to capture the number. So if you want your marketing to be effective, these are just some of the simple things you need to consider up front. So Eric, now let me ask you this. Well, hold on. While we're still on that, like mental energy is like one, everybody's lazy pretty much, just, just a general statement, right? Nobody wants to exert more energy than necessary. So when you try to make something hard to read, people don't like it, right? Once they read it, uh, you know, they'll try to avoid it next time. And that also goes into what we'll probably get into later is remembering your brand, you know, brand recognition. If, if again, you have a hard to say name, that's something we didn't even talk about, Brett, is... You know, choosing a word or if you have a last name that's just hard to say, choose a different name by all means. Uh, choose choose something that's easy to, to read, to say, to say off the tip of your tongue, right? So be very careful on naming your business. Make sure it's uh, easy to remember, easy to read, easy to say. So things like that. I was going to jump into an aspect, also part of a brand that is a little more abstract, but it's it's the reputation of your brand. That's a major, some people call it brand voice, just, just what people know your business as or your brand as. So, Brad, you want to talk about maybe how important reviews or your reputation is in, you know, a professional brand? How, how important is that? Well, as a marketing strategist, I've had the ability to speak to many different roofing business owners, and there's many companies that have uh, grown to two to five million simply off of word of mouth. And that only happens because they're doing quality service, and that's the foundation for everything. Um, if you're not doing quality work and you're not satisfying your customer at the end of the day, then everything else as far as your reputation management strategy is going to be flawed. So it's important to make sure the workmanship, the technical workmanship of your trade is as best as it can be. And then once you have that in place where your work is proper, then that's where, you know, the customer experience really needs to be enhanced as much as you can. And that's through effective communication, letting the customer know what to expect, uh, when their roof will be replaced or repaired, how long it will take, uh, what the cleanup process looks like, and just kind of all the ins and outs of that project. But then right. after the project is complete, you shouldn't just hit the road never to be seen or heard from again. You need to right. touch base with that customer and you need to be asking, hey, have we satisfied? Have we met your right. expectations? Right. And then from there, that's an opportunity for them to have a discussion and present either areas that you can resolve immediately or things of just, hey, everything's great, we're happy, which once you get the answer from your customer saying, oh, no, you guys are great, everything's perfect, I appreciate it. I wouldn't change a thing. (laughs) Do not not leave at that point. That is now your, your transition. That's your bridge to getting a review. 
to getting a referral and having some type of referral incentive, even if it's just based on goodwill. You know, hey, it really helps us out when you give uh, us a referral. Please, if there's any friends or family that you know that need uh, any roofing services, let them know that we're available. Right. Even if it's nothing else, you know, some people actually offer some type of actual referral uh, spiffs or incentives, whether it be a prize or a gift card or something. But either way, the main thing. Is- yeah, if you get that feedback, I'm I'm thinking like if you're in person and you get that feedback and you're asking, let's say you, you have a sales guy in, in the house with the customer and they say, oh, man, everything's great. You guys did a fantastic job. I wouldn't change a thing. I'll, t- I'll tell everybody I know about you. You pull out your phone and ask, hey, can you say that on a on a, on video real quick and, and capture that video testimonial and post it everywhere. Post it on your Facebook, your your website, everywhere. So yeah, yeah definitely do not leave a re, you know a testimonial or a review on the table. Ask for it. Ask for it. Yeah. And- First earn it. And then ask for. And I've even I've even heard some sales reps they'll uh, request to use the client's phone to take a picture or a video, and then they transition and say, "Now using your phone that you just took this picture or video with, can you attach that to your five star review for us?" Because what that does is not only does it geotag it and have a unique IP address, as we all know through like SEO and stuff, but when they upload that, it helps make that review so much more powerful by being geo-targeted yeah. and, of course, including just the value of a picture or video. Right. It doesn't look so coerced, right? It looks like they did it of their own free will because they were so ecstatic about your service that they wanted to do it on their own, their own volition. So, yes, that is an excellent tip right there. Excellent. Yeah. So in regards to reputation, you got to earn it. You got to ask for it. And there's, of course, many strategies that could be implemented in asking for it. But the main thing is to understand we all talk about and we hear the power of compounding in regards to like investments. And let's say a company gets, let's say, uh, 10 leads. And out of those 10 leads, they have different conversion rates, but a sole job turns into a review. And then it turns into a few referrals. Well, now those new jobs that came from the referrals now turn into additional reviews and then turn into additional referrals. And just from a few initial leads, you're getting a compounding growth that's organically happening without needing to generate new leads. It's generating referrals. And a lot of companies that I see struggle are the ones that never get reviews and never get word of mouth, which typically there's a reason why they're not. But regardless of that, when you're not growing and compounding, you don't have the value of the power of compound. So then you always have to have a fresh batch of new leads. And the moment the market slows down a little bit, you're starving. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I wrote down, I wrote down like some quick tips for them to take away. Uh, You know, make sure your brand attracts your ideal customer. So I I wrote a couple uh, bullet points. So first you need to catch their attention. So, you know, tailoring everything to that ideal customer. So if you think about fishing, right, you know, there's certain types of fish. And once you know the fish you're going after, there's certain kinds of bait that attracts that fish and, you know, not necessarily attracts a whole host of different fish, right? So the same thing with marketing, you want to tailor 
your marketing efforts to that ideal customer. So first, catch their attention, gain their trust. So this is, this is having those testimonials on your website, having good reviews on all the different platforms and, you know, just really gaining trust by, let's say, you know, other badges or awards that you've got. Um, so catch their attention, gain their trust. Next is earn their referral or endorsement. I wrote down, but uh, yeah, I think you've been saying uh, referral. So we'll stick with that. Um, next is repeat and it gets easier and easier each time you repeat the process. So just like I wrote this down before you even start talking about the compounding effects. But yes, basically what I just said complements what you just got through mentioning by, uh, you know, the compounding effect. Basically, this process will get easier and easier because you should be able to gain their trust easier because you have more good reviews and uh, good testimonials. And, you know, if you have videos and pictures of people, maybe thumbs up with maybe you want your yard signs or whatever, that just that just really looks good. And people begin to trust your site more because uh, just the social proof of everybody seems to like this company. So things just seem to get easier and easier. You get like kind of this snowball effect, you know, rolling down a hill and just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it just gets easier over time. Absolutely. So yeah, All good to me, that, that boils it down to the power of having a professional brand. Yeah. And just a question for those listening just wonder how many of your competitors are following these steps and guidelines that we're presenting today and how well are you? Because if you're not, you could obviously be implementing this and dominate your competition. And for the most part, it's very rare to see a company following this uh, religiously and properly. So feel free to obviously adopt as much as you can of this because it will be transformational in your business. Right. Well, I hope you guys learned a lot about building a professional brand and the importance of it. And this is going to conclude our first episode. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for tuning in to the Explode Your Roofing Business podcast. We hope you found today's episode informative and actionable. Remember, growing a successful roofing business takes time and effort, but with the right strategies and tactics, anything is possible. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. And visit our website for more resources and information about our book, Explode Your Roofing Business. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in our next episode of Explode Your Roofing Business podcast.